What is up, my gorgeous humans? I'm so excited to introduce to you the very first feature of Powerful Women in the Industry. Once a month, I will be bringing on an incredible woman who is a master at her craft and is creating a wave of change with her business. Opening up this powerful series is Suzanne Goldstein. This woman seems to have done it all, but I quickly gathered from our conversation, she's just getting started. We covered everything in this conversation from shadow bans on Instagram to sustainability and innovation and impact at even a micro level. Suzanne certainly lives up to her name as a purpose-driven activation coach for women who desire to create impact and become consciously rich. I'm not sure it gets much better than that. Tune in and don't forget to leave a review letting me know what you think. You cannot get where you want to go running away from who you have Knowing been. yourself and who you are is the most powerful thing you have. Your role is to light the way for a new paradigm. I am. I am. I am I magic. Am. I am I strong. Am. I am 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 I I am 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 and it was like a um, memory or something in my phone and it said it was three days ago that's when we recorded our last one of course it is oh my gosh anyway it's been a it's been a big year well so I was thinking about you know when we talked last year I remember a lot of the conversation and what you were saying you were you had just come into the online world and I remember you talking about that so tell me the whole nine like tell me the what what has occurred? I know you started with um, Dare Human. Is that right? Is it still Dare Human? T- tell me all the things and how your last year has, has gone. Oh my gosh. All right. So I launched Dare Human in June of 2020. And I, you know, I hired Melanie before I launched it and started teaching my first live programs. Well, so I launched Dare, the word Dare Humans before that, but it was kind of like, practice. I was practicing in June, uh, in 2020. So officially like at the end of 2020, I started to get some momentum and, uh, decided coming into 2021, I was going to do a year long container for women to go through what I call the dear human core curriculum, which I was developing as I was, I was creating it as we were going, but it was a deep tap into what I know it takes for a person to become a force for good in their own life and a force for good in the world. So I created a methodology, which I don't know if you've ever seen. And it's this diamond looks like this. And there are four archetypes. There's the alchemist, which is she who knows herself, personal growth, personal mastery, um, emotional intelligence, boundaries, like the whole, like, how do I know myself and prepare myself to interact with other humans? Then there's the artist, which is about creativity, problem solving, innovation. This is the part we tap into, not to be a painter, but to like be an Einstein and really think of solutions that are going to change the world. 
Then we have the accelerator. And the reason I'm doing this is because it's a, I go like this is because it's a lightning bolt. It goes from here to here to here to here. And the accelerator is the one who knows how to get shit done and make money. And then the top is the advocate. And this is the one who knows how to change the world. The one who decides to be the change that they want to see in the world. So I created an entire curriculum around that. And with each program I did master classes that went before it. And I also did a whole separate series of stuff. I did a quantum leap program where I was showing people how to energetically quantum leap. I was doing, I did 46 programs, class, master classes and trainings. And it was insane. It was an insane in one, in one year. It was insane. It was insane. I'm so blown away. Through, oh my gosh. Okay. So then I took in 2022, the whole objective has been to take that core curriculum and the master classes that go with it and put it on Kajabi. So now anyone who comes into my world um, has the ability to bring themselves up to the level where I can now amplify their ability to make change and make money. So the idea was that I was gonna build the plane while flying it. So this is the building of the plane, this is the flying of the plane. So we put all of that structure and, and scaffolding in place, sort of the masculine energy, through which we can build this scalable company. And so now we're in scale mode. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty epic. I can like, I can feel the, the energy of the person that you speak to, you know, the, the, to me, I'm gonna put it my own words, the woman who feels that she is here to create a world changing mission in whatever way that looks like. And so she just needs the tools yeah. And so I really talk about three levels of impact um, that our work does, because it's really the people who are on the grassroots, the people who are in the grass middles and the people who are in the grass tops. So what I decided to do is for the grassroots, we now have this whole online self-study curriculum and we have a year long container for people who want to go through it together. So they self-study, I come in and do a Q&A. They self-study, I do a Q&A. So there's that container or you can buy them individually. And then there's a middle layer for the grass middles, which is um, a mastermind I have called the Elevate Her, which is me taking women who are at six figures and blowing them up and then private containers. And then I'm launching a down the road, hasn't launched yet, a extremely high level millionaire maker, millionaire impact mastermind for women who are at six high six figures and above. And these are for spiritual entrepreneurs who really float in the idea of ascension and my job on this planet is to tether them to mother earth so that it can ascend so we can all ascend as opposed to just some so that like if i live my mission that's what i'm doing is that we've set the grassroots i'm working the grass middles and now next i'm going to the grass tops i love it oh and it's so funny because you know everybody online is so anti-strategy and i'm like okay, I'm going to go build a oh. fucking business. Like this oh. is a company. Yes. Yes. I'll tell you, you know, in, in my own evolution, I came into it spiritual, spiritual game. Right. I mean, but I'm earth, like I'm earth. So I'm naturally grounded like Virgo spiritual game. But what I figured out very quickly, I, I scaled quickly, but then it capped because I had no structure, no strategy. And so that was when I really started understanding you need the structure. You need the structure for the, the creativity to blossom, for the magic to flow. 
I call it mas- masculine fuel, masculine scaffolding, feminine dance, feminine flow. Get it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's fun. I love what I do. Um, I'm going through growing pains as we all do um, because there's a lot of shenanigans going on in the coaching industry right now that I completely disagree with. Yeah. And so um, I also, I don't know if you know, I got shadow banned on Facebook. It was pretty significant. I Um, actually, no, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what that is. It means that you can still post, but no one sees your stuff. And the reason I do it, well, first I got a couple of notifications of violations and then no one, literally like the people who see me daily were not seeing me because you're not allowed to talk about every single topic that I talk about all the time. Um, because, you know, my work is about like activating really potent women to be change makers and make a huge difference in the world. And all the things I talk about, race, gender, ethnicity, nationality, um, COVID, health, um, abortion, politics, Democrat uh, party affiliation, like all of the stuff I talk about, like what it means to open your eyes, be in the know make choices, don't look away while the castle's being rebuilt by people who have bad intentions. All I talk about all that stuff. And that's literally the list of things you're not allowed to talk about on meta platforms anymore. Uh, unless, oh, you know, here's the list. This is fucking hilarious. Race, gender, national origin, age, political affiliation, ethnicity, disability, sexual orientation, socioeconomic class, religion, and immigration. You can't talk about it. You can't. Says, it says, if, it, if you talk about any of the following in a polarizing or inflammatory manner, which puts all of the power in them to be able to decide what's polarizing inflammatory, right? So they're not watching my stuff saying, I'm encouraging people to like open their eyes and learn about privilege and bias and learn to be anti-racist and what it means to live in your privilege and what it, all the things I talk about, like, let's talk about Ukraine, let's talk about authoritarianism, like to educate people, they don't yeah, like me doing I that. First, um, started seeing you was during Black Lives Matter, and you were going live. That was how I first started really. Um, yeah, and that was in that was in May of 2020. Wow! And I was able to get away with it for a while, but as my platform got bigger, they started noticing more. They start sending me in, you know, things. Do you want to monetize your Instagram? Do you want to like? They want me to get more involved, but then they don't want me to get more involved except for that's going to work with their policies. And I'm like, you're letting Russian people hack into your platform and manipulate data so that we have a Trump election, but you're going to block me. So it's been fascinating. So I'm going through some growing pains about that. But I went to YouTube and I launched this new thing called the Rise of the Untamed Fox, which is freaking unbelievable. I love that name so much. That makes me so happy. Thanks. Okay. Let's like get in it. I want to make sure people know who you are. <laughs> oh, that. Okay. <laughs> I would have like, here's this amazing woman. We don't know her name. Hi, I'm Suzanne Goldstein. <laughs> so tell me, um, I know last time we talked, we really got into your story. Tell as much of it as you want to tell of it. Um, but I really, really want to get into like what you're doing now and the platform that you are creating. I know you talked about like, all of the very controversial topics that you bring up and um, really, really calling women to rise in their power and create the change, be the change. So give me the whole nine, tell me everything. So I think the most interesting thing about me 
and what I've been doing my whole life is that I knew my mission when I was four years old. And then, you know, life comes on and it, it like smacks you in the head as prove it moments to see if you actually mean to be on your mission. And so I went from age four and five where I had been knowing my activation and knowing who I was meant to be on this planet to being called a Christ killer and going down a completely different path. Oh, it's called a Christ killer by my a five-year-old who I used to go over to her house to play all the time. And I would knock on the door and we go run and play in the woods. And one day I walked over, I ran over there and I knocked on the door and she opens the big wood door and she leaves the screen door shut. She's like, I'm not allowed to play with you anymore. I'm like, why? Because like, you're a Christ killer. I'm like, oh, a five-year-old vigilante. <laughs> What's a Christ killer? Well, you know, she heard it from her parents and her parents like, you're not allowed to play with that girl anymore. I didn't even know as a Jew, certainly didn't know what a Christ killer was. So I went over to my mom and I'm like, bye, Kathy won't play with me. My mother being my mother was like, what'd you do wrong? I'm like, I don't know the Christ killer was a Christ. So anyway, it sort of marred me. It marred me from being like an everyday regular kid. And when I went to school first grade that year, I felt very uncomfortable. And I thought everybody was going to look at me and see I was a Christ killer, whatever the heck that meant. And so I just felt otherized from a very early stage in my life. And I ended up seeing this busload of kids come into school and they had brown skin. I never seen a brown skin person. And I was like, well, they look different. And clearly I look different. So I befriended the black kids and they were my first friends in school. And, you know, I was the white kid from the suburbs who went into the inner city to do play dates. And I'm so grateful to my parents that they were willing to let me do that. Um, but it started my trajectory and the universe is constantly giving us readjustments and prove it moments. And so through the age of about 27, I was asleep again. And I was a massive achiever. And I produced my first Hollywood movie at 27. And I had worked at the National Theater of Great Britain by sitting in the lobby for eight straight days until someone would give me a job. And like I had done crazy things. And I knew I'm led. I've always been led to like use entertainment, theater, film to tell stories of change making. So here I am in Hollywood at 27, realizing that I'm asleep and everyone around me is like full of drama and yuck. So I decided at that point in my life that I was going to change. And I, I started this thing called themes. Every year I gave myself a theme, something I could work on to fully integrate. My first theme is kind of a funny one. It was to only be dramatic when drama was necessary because I had a huge temper and I could throw things left, right and center. So it taught me so much because like three months in, I couldn't even remember what my theme was. But then I started catching the moment. Whoa, wait, there's an opportunity. There's this tiny thing. I call it the millisecond. And the whole idea is that you expand the millisecond and you start make, becoming choiceful in that moment. Should I respond or should I react? And so I taught myself how to do that. So that was how I birthed Suzanne version 2.0. And ever since then, I've been upgrading. And I'm, it could be a dot release or it could be a full release. When I came online, I was Suzanne 14.0. And then when I started the Untamed Fox recently, I became Suzanne 25.0. It was go, I went, I jumped from 20.3 to 25 because it was a such an enormous embrace of my fullest voice, the one I've known since I was four. But I had to go through a lot of journeying to get to this particular level. So I think that my journey has taken me from theater to film to building a bunch of technology companies, making a boat ton of money. 
And knowing that I was here literally with like mother earth as my spirit animal to help guide and lift humanity. And so, you know, it's one of those things when you start to realize you're not from here, you're not of this planet, you're a star seed, you're an indigo child, whatever you are, you're one of us. And you understand that like, you never quite feel like you're home. You're always trying to create something that is going to elevate the consciousness to get home. And so my work here is all about elevating consciousness and then showing people how to get there by lifting humanity. Mm, I love that. It's such a perfect description. You're always trying to create something to get home. I definitely resonate with that. So what would you say? I know you have, so you have your community, you have your um, full curriculum to help women really come into their power. And you said you just launched the untamed Fox. The rise of the untamed Fox. With version 25.0, what is the, what's the vision? What is the, that you can see? Cause I'm sure there's another one that's past the evolution of where we are now that will come online. But what is the vision of what you can see right now? For the world or for my business or for what? Well, is it different? Mm, slightly. Okay. I'll tell you why. Um, so in the absence of Facebook and Instagram in the meta universe. My business and my vision coincide directly. But in the presence of a platform where I've been shadow banned, where I talk about the topics that they don't want me to talk about, where I try to actually wake humanity the fuck up and get them out of the matrix and show them they've been living in a world of forced productivity, that if you're not doing, you're not achieving, you're not successful to get people to understand that the framing that they live in actually isn't the only version of reality. Well, these platforms don't want me talking about that stuff. So I had to make a very strategic decision to separate the movement from my business. So the movement is about waking people the fuck up. And the business is about giving them the tools to now go through the elevation process to go through the know yourself, live on purpose, get shit done, make money, be the change. And at every level of ascension, every level of growth in their business, every level of growth in their human consciousness and evolution, they can always go back to the beginning to get deeper emotional intelligence, right? Because every time you get to a new level, you're like, whoa, I didn't even know that was something I had to deal with, that I had a block about, that I had an icky feeling about, that I'm triggered by, that I'm activated by. So now the platforms that I use for some parts of my business are different than the other parts. But the thing that gets my juices flowing now that we have the whole Dare Human curriculum online is <clears throat> the, the rise of the untamed fox is the Dare Human who's willing to step forward and use her voice to be a voice for change. So a lot of people are okay saying, yeah, I want to make the world better but they're actually not willing to do that much about it because we're brought up in a society that says individualism is more important than the collective. So I could, if I just decided to sell programs that told people that they're going to be millionaires, I could do that. It would be simple for me, right? I've made millions and millions of dollars in my life, but that's not what interests me. Like my interest is if I can show you how to deeply live your mission, deeply live your passion, the money is going to follow you. It's an, it's a fait accompli. So if that's true, my job is to really wake you up. 
and then give you the tools to go through it. So what the Rise of the Untamed Fox is about is activating that voice so that women feel like it is safe to come forward and express their truth. I'll give you an example. So one of the stories of the legend of this online coaching industry that makes me nuts is how everybody's talking about, you know, not doing what the men have done, not doing the masculine energy way. But what essentially is happening is that we, we called it in the 1980s, a Betty business bow. Women would put on a Betty business bow, which was like the male equivalent of a tie to go to work, to learn how to scrabble up the ladder in the corporate structure, because that's all exist, that existed. They were not let, women were not let in for so long. And, you know, there's still glass ceilings everywhere. Here in the coaching industry, what I see us doing and what I really want to see us stop doing is rebuilding the hierarchy that was put in place by masculine systems and structures. Again, this is not anti-male. I love men. This is not anti-men doing the way things the way they do. It's the systems and the structures that were put in place to advantage certain groups of people over other groups of people. So if we're replicating that hierarchical structure in the coaching industry, and what we're doing is replacing the few wealthy men at the top with a few wealthy women at the top, we're not creating anything new. So what I preach about is transparency, because one of the ways you create hierarchy is by replicating the obscurity, the black boxes that have been put in place. Like, I know that you've probably experienced this, anyone hearing this. When you're in a job at work, you're not allowed to talk with your coworkers about how much you make. Oh my God. Okay. These things are the most maddening things to me. Yeah. And it just replicates the current systems and structures by flipping out who's at the top. Yeah. Right. So one of the things I do, and I'm, I'm in this right now with my work, is my prices are going up. It's time. And I, you know, I kind of have a couple people come in at a certain price and then I raise the price and then I have a couple more people come in because my time is limited. Mm-hmm. And so I know that the value I bring and the amount of time I spend in any one place is of high value. Now I've experienced in my own being coached people raising prices and not telling me. And then you go resign and you're like, wait a second, it's a X number of thousands of dollars more. So what I believe in is saying to my clients, I want you to know on my birthday, my prices are going up. If you have a container that's closing around that time, I will honor and grandfather your current rate if you lock in for a certain amount of time, because I don't want you to be surprised. And it's shocking to me when I talk to my clients about this, how they've never had someone say this to them before, because there's so much wounding about money in the coaching industry. It's amazing to me. People are so wounded by, oh my God, they had something happen in their life. They can't make payments. They owe me that money. I'm like, you know what? That's a lack mentality. It's trauma. It's trauma. You got to get over your money wounding. That if someone comes in your world and something happened in their life and they're not able to pay you, it hurts, but work on yourself inside, right? This is why we always have to come back to the alchemist, the ability to make lead into gold. 
how do we get so still and so powerful in ourselves? And look, I'm turning 58. This is something I've worked on for a freaking long time. I've been coaching for 33 years. This is, I'm the OG. I call myself SG, the OG. Like I've been coaching longer than, than coaching certificates have existed. Oh, I love that. So for me, like we as women need to use our voices to speak to each other Mm. about what we're doing and choose differently. Well, it's an ownership piece, right? You know, every time that we, we cast out as to why something happened, you know, oh, that's their fault. Why that happened. Oh, they owe this to me. And I feel victimized in it. We're throwing away our power, which has been, you know, societally that we've been trained into that. We've been trained into blame. We've been trained into the, the system is the reason for everything. And so then we feel victimized by everything. Mm-hmm. I have a parameter in place for myself where I say, I always win. No matter what it is, I always win because bigger picture, you know, outside of what is 3D grounded earth, I 100% believe that all things are working in the favor of greater good. I think that they're even the most God awful things that happen in our world. I think that it raises up the polarity of the good on the other end. And so it's all working together seamless. And I'm not so naive to say that in a world that functions perfectly by nature, that I am the exception and what has happened to me is what has gone wrong. You know, and so I think that there's always something higher. There's always something better in it. And when I look at it from that perspective, not only do I come into my power, but then I can handle it. And then I actually grow from it because I get the lesson. I love that because I talk a lot about orchids. Orchids. I collect orchids. There's one right there. Oh, look at that. And there's one right there. And there's all over my house. I see your money tree too. Oh, my money tree. Oh my God. It started this big. Blossoming. I have mine. (laughs) So the thing about orchids is that after they finish their bloom, they are but ugly. Yes. That's why I've never liked them. (laughs) They're but ugly. And so you have to love them, care for them, give them oxygen, water, maybe a little food, the right kind of light, the right kind of moisture. And about a year later, with that patience, with that tilling of the soil, with the work that you have to put in with no evidence, your orchids will rebloom. I couldn't rebloom an orchid for years. And now every single, there's one right here, it's got like 17 buds blooming like crazy because during the period where there was no evidence for me, because it was butt ugly, waiting for the blooms to come. You just have to have the faith. There is a greater good here. But if you're not willing to put in the effort and the work and the focus and the belief, it doesn't happen. I love that. I've been recently um, very, very focused on preparation. You know, it, that's kind of been the, the message that has come through over and over and over again, that we're always preparing for a new level. And we don't always have access to what that new level looks like, but we can kind of feel it, what's coming. Mm-hmm. You know? And so everything that my intention and my focus has been about recently is preparation. And when I can really hone in on right here, right now of what am I doing right here, right now, that's preparing me 
for the bigger vision, for the bigger goal, whatever it is that I have, you know, set my sights on, then I see how much purpose right here, right now has. And it takes you out of scarcity. You know, it takes you out of where is my flower? Where's the bud? Where's the bloom? It takes you out of that. And it puts you into, I want to say like obsession, like your obsession with the process. Mm-hmm. Being it's the journey, not the destination. Yes. And this, this thinking has changed my life. I mean, my, my husband and I both, we were talking about it the other day of like fall in love with the journey fall in love with the process of it because the whole reason that you have a goal set in the first place is because you want to live the life of creating that goal Mm -hmm. and the journey, the process is the majority of your life. This is is beautiful because what we've been trained to do and we watched our fathers and maybe mothers do Mm -hmm. is that you work really hard. You save and you save and you save and you work really hard and you save and you save and you save. And then someday you're going to retire and start your life. Hopefully fingers crossed (laughs) if you have any money and if there's still social security left. Right. So the thing is that we, we don't live while the process is happening and we're afraid to use our voice because we don't want to upset the apple cart. I have a question. What did you always feel the power of your voice or was this built? Yeah. So there, it's sort of a, a journey as is most stuff. When I was young, my dad used to say, you need to go be a lawyer because you can argue anything. So I was not afraid to use my voice. Lawyer vibes. I could see that. And I don't want to read that much. So no, thank you. I don't want to be a lawyer. But also there were times when during my awakening process, I wasn't getting the kind of responses that I wanted from my family or people around me. And I would say, you know, it would be so much easier if you could just say this, 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 and this. And my mom would always say to me, Suzanne, you should just write us a script and we'll just read back what you want us to say. And the thing is, it's because I was already activated at a higher level where I was like, you know, look, I got an AMI report card and, you know, it wasn't celebrate the A, it was where the, where was the A plus. And so I'm like, wait, can, can you guys just start by telling me like, you're so proud of me for getting an A and then we can have the discussion about what I missed out on. Parenting your parents. Yes. And so for me, the voice was in hiding for a long time because I worked in the male paradigm. I worked in technology. I worked in the film industry. I've been surrounded by men. I'm usually the woman who comes into the room that's been hired to parachute in as a consultant to tell them how to fix the mess that they've created. But I do walk in the room sometimes and they're wondering if I could get them coffee. And I'm like, I am the very expensive consultant that you just hired. And then their faces are like, oh, yeah. And then for decades of doing this work in Fortune 100 companies and startups and everywhere in between, being the only woman in the room, Mm. I had to subdue my voice. One of the geniuses of my ability to consult is that I can see the answer almost instantaneously. I have this ability to take very diverse thoughts and pieces and crystallize them into a solution. And like, I hear what you're talking about and I can crystallize it within five minutes. It's just a gift I have, right? Love that. But I can't in a room full of men 
do that because they won't accept the answer. Now, I'm not saying all men. I'm talking about corporate America in the 90s, right? And, and the 2000s. And I, so what I learned to do is guide a conversation so that they actually thought they came up with the answer themselves. And mm. then they would accept the answer and take credit for it. And therefore they would hire me again. So as a survival strategy, I learned to subdue my, my smarts and make it look like I was just guiding them to their highest brilliance. So learning to undo that when I came online a year and a half ago, mm. to actually not have to feel like I needed to dumb myself to allow people to feel smarter was a huge lesson for me. It's taken me a long time. And I think that the, the end result of that in the current incarnation is the rise of the untamed fox, because the story of how I came to that is that there was this experiment done in the 1950s in Russia when Stalin believed that genetics was fake science. Sound familiar? Fake science. And so this, <clears throat> this uh, geneticist was sent to Siberia because they're like, we don't want you doing these genetics experiments. They're not okay. And so this guy's up in Siberia and he's like, there's lots of foxes running around in Siberia. And so he starts studying the foxes. He notices some of them are super aggressive and some of them are really tame. He's like, I'm curious how you domesticate an animal. Let's see what we can do here. So they start capturing aggressive foxes and breeding them with other aggressive foxes and their fur color, their phenotype, the MNRA and their brains start to change as aggressive foxes mate with more aggressive foxes. Same as also true on the tame fox side. The tame foxes, their phenotype, they all started as red foxes, turns more silver. They get more tame, they get so tame that they end up being shipped to the United States to become pets. They domesticated these foxes so quickly by selecting for tameness. So if you relate this as an analogy to human beings, some people grow up in environments where they're incredibly aggressive. Aggression is the way you win. Look at our former president. Look at different authoritarian leaders around the world. Look at what's happening with the Russian invasion right now. Mm -hmm. These are aggressive foxes. And there are some people who love the voice of the aggressive fox. Mm -hmm. And then over here on this side, the tame fox side, you have a lot of good, well-meaning, well-intended humans who are like, oh my God, if I should just raise my vibes enough and spread enough love, then the world is going to be better. And you know what? That doesn't work either because the aggressive foxes are in action. If the tame foxes were on a planet by themselves, this is absolutely the truth. Mm -hmm. But in the presence of the darkness, the light has to be more activated than just prayer, just meditation, mm -hmm. just ascension. So my call is for tame foxes to actually start to use their voice to become untamed. And so the untamed fox is the good kind person who is untaming their voice, starting to speak up for what is the truth. Because here's the thing. If we look away, the aggressive foxes are going to rebuild this world into a dark demonist castle. Mm. Evidenced by the following. Andrew Cuomo was the former governor of New York. 
And during COVID, he was a hero. Everybody's like, oh my God, he's going to be the next Democratic contender for president. Everybody loved him. He was doing such a good job. And then later in his tenure, it comes out that he may have touched someone inappropriately. He may have touched someone's bum, may have brushed their boob, may have asked them on a date. I don't know. I wasn't there. And I'm not to judge. I don't think harassment of women as a person who's been harassed a lot in my life is there's no place for it. And yet it happens. People make mistakes. And what happened is the tame foxes cannot stand anything but perfection in their leaders. So they literally cut off his throat, Mm. kicked him out of office and made this incredible politician tumble back and not have any power or influence. He was an untamed fox, but the, but the demand for, of the tame foxes of their leaders is that there's perfection. Meanwhile, Trump is on a bus with Billy Bush and says, I can kiss anybody because I'm a celebrity. I can grab any woman by the pussy and the aggressive fox is like, let's make him president. Mm-hmm. So we've got to take these good, kind, well-meaning, well-intentioned people and activate their voices because otherwise this world, and we see it now with the polarization. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking necessarily Democrat versus Republican. There are aggressive foxes on the far left mm-hmm. of all countries, right? There's aggressive foxes everywhere. Mm-hmm. How do the tame foxes start to speak? Amen. I keep wanting to say activate the fire. Like I, um, you're familiar with the chakra system, right? Solar plexus is like, that's your power, your fire, like activate it, like oxygenate it. Like, and my life has led through my solar plexus entirely. So, I mean, what would happen if we had women who were no longer afraid to look at the news because current events hurts too much, right? I'm like, go work on your emotional intelligence. Because if you can actually watch it, you can engage in it. You can be part of the answer. And I don't care. Go ahead. Right. Part of your group where you educate people on, on top news events. Do you still do that? That is what now is the rise of the untamed fox. So that was ITK. I did it for a year on Facebook. I'm sure that's why I got banned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did 48 episodes of it. It was pretty epic, but that's why we moved to YouTube because I'm praying that there's going to be less censorship there. And if I need to move somewhere else, I will. But right now, um, the idea is like to activate people. So, I mean, I'll give you a stupid example, but like, I don't believe in fast fashion because fast fashion is a disease that came from the luxury fashion industry where there is a ton of slave labor in China forced labor that has happened because there is an ethnic minority in China that has basically been put in camps and they're forced to make Louis Vuitton bags. You send their own stuff and you can go online and you can search for the corporate social responsibility index and reports of different companies. One of my favorite brands is called Tahari. Love their clothes. Fits me like a glove. So I went shopping the other day because I'm going to Paris and I'm going to London and I'm doing all this stuff and I wanted to get some clothes to take with me. And I'm in a store and there's this massive section with Tahari clothes. I love them. I'm like, it's like a beacon for me. I'm going straight for them. Everything I pick up, it's gorgeous. Oh crap, it's Tahari. Oh crap, it's Tahari. Tahari, if you look up the corporate social index, they are called zero transparency, which means they do not reveal how they source their product, who makes it, 
whether or not their dyes and their manufacturing processes are good for the earth or bad for the earth, they give no transparency. They may be amazing, but since they're not transparent, I won't buy their clothes. How is How? that legal? Is that legal to be able to do that? Yeah, well, corporate social responsibility is a very new concept in corporate the corporate world. And there are countries that are so far ahead of the United States in this. But, you know, I studied and used to teach social entrepreneurship and you can't teach social entrepreneurship without a piece of res corporate responsibility coming in. So there are companies who got slayed in the public, like Nike, who used to use Southeast Asian slave labor, forced labor, like locked into rooms and you had to make certain amount of pieces of sneakers, like Nike got slayed. So they change their practices. So they have a corporate responsibility report that really tells what they're focused on and where they're making improvements and they have to share their numbers. And there are companies who are incredibly transparent and do that, but there are more companies that don't. So I always say to people, you don't have to be the person who's like going to go on YouTube and talk about this stuff every day. What's one thing you can do in your life right now? Your one thing, it can affect you, your family, your community, your kids' school, your state, your country, our world. The stage and the size of your impact is yours to choose, but pick one thing mm -hmm. besides you building your business. Mm -hmm. Pick something that you're going to focus on that's going to actually elevate humanity. I like that you say that because I think, you know, being in the world where there, everything is, is coming up to the surface you know, all the things, which is beautiful. Like it needs to happen. And it looks as though like the world is in more chaos than it ever has been before. It is, but it needs to come out to be seen. Right. Mm -hmm. And I talk to a lot of people and I've had the feeling myself of, I want to do more. I want to be able to do something, but I, there is, and I think you talked about it actually, there are people who are born to be activists and that is their role. But that doesn't mean if you're not an, exactly, you're not an activist, that doesn't mean that you don't have a place in something that you can do. And like finding that for yourself, you know? Yeah. And this is why at the top of the Dare Human Diamond, the alchemist, the artist, the accelerated, the advocate, mm -hmm. when I first launched it, it was the activist. And that word was too hard for people. Mm -hmm. An activist, people think, oh, I've got to go get a picket sign and go march somewhere, right? right. So I changed it to advocate because advocate is really about using your voice to create change. Everybody can, we all have a voice. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to, what do you want to use it for? I don't know if you saw the whole thing that I did online about um, helium. So there's a lot of people online who celebrate big financial wins with lots of balloons oh. and celebrations. Yes. But if you're actually in the know, if you're paying attention to what's happening on the planet, when whales die on a beach shore, when dolphins die on a beach shore, if you cut them open, their stomachs are full of balloons mm. and other garbage and trash. That's horrible, horrible. But more importantly, the things that floated those balloons up is helium. And then when the helium wore out, they dropped into the ocean. Mm. Helium is a non-renewable resource. There is limited supply of helium. When it goes away, there is no more, right? It is made through billions of years in the earth. It's a, it's a, it's a periodic table gas. And once it is gone, it is gone. 
Well, it turns out more than 10% of all helium is used for party balloons. And the rest of the helium is used for medical devices and the very cold cooling of important things that need to be created. So if we are continuing to use helium to celebrate our wins, we're doing really two bad things for the earth. And no one wants to never know that. Balloons. Sorry? <laughs> I said I knew there was a reason I never bought balloons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and whether you know it consciously or unconsciously, like the whole idea of waking up, really waking up is not just your spiritual personal ascension. It's waking up to what is going on around you and seeing how you can be part of the change. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're, this is you and your calling, because I think it's hard. It's hard for people. It's hard for people to not, not even get into the action part. It's hard for people to wake up and acknowledge, to hear it, you know, to really, because we live in such a culture where it's like, if I don't see it, I don't have to think about it. And so to actually start, like you said, look, look, be in the know, know what's going on. That in itself takes courage. It's a decision. It would be easier for me to show people how to become multimillionaires. Yeah. It would be much easier for me, but that's not my calling. So what I have to do is show and prove and display that doing this kind of work can still make you a lot of money a more than comfortable living, a exceptional living where you get to live in two cities and go on vacation to fabulous places, you can still do that. And I think people dissociate. Mm -hmm. If I focus on that do-gooder stuff, they have been trained that that's the nonprofit industry and the nonprofit industry, you don't get paid anything. Hmm. You'll work in a soup kitchen, you get $12 an hour and you're never gonna become anything, but you're gonna be really nice to houseless people, right? You know, at least from my perspective, the thought is I need to go out and make the money before I can go and do something that impacts the world, like meaning start a charity organization or give in some way or, um, you know, build something that that really does address these issues. I think that is the mentality for a lot of people who like I want to give, but like I can't even pay my own bills fully yet or I want to create something, but I got to make sure my kids are in college, you know, like that, that mentality, I think shows up a lot more. Um, And that's if you're giving of financial ways. So what if you just started choosing what you're purchasing in a more conscious way? What mm -hmm. you, what if you became a conscious consumer? What if you started voting with your wallet? What if it had nothing to do with you giving any money away right now? I love that. And, and I think that's a conversation we don't hear enough of. What are the choices that you're making? Where are you buying your groceries? Where, like you said, your clothes manufacturing, do I know where my clothes came from? Do I know the impact that they're making? These little, little like tiny things. And we think, you know, oh, it's just like this one little tiny thing, but it, if you do it, someone else. Yeah. Will do it. If you carried a fancy Louis Vuitton bag and you knew the name of the forced laborer who was made to make it, Mm. would you still carry the bag? Mm. Powerful. Yeah. And so people get mad when I talk about this stuff. I think it's great because they need to, it means they need to make a change. Well, it makes you, it makes you uncomfortable. You know, you're like, Oh, what have I done? That was wrong that I didn't even know. Yeah. And it's not wrong. It's just, 
It's buying into the matrix. It's buying into the system that if you, if something's luxury, it must be good, right? That's the, again, all of this is intentional. Mm-hmm. These companies want you to feel a certain way. They do. They spend gazillions on branding to show you that you'll feel a certain way when you have a certain brand. And the funny thing is like the sustainable luxury brands, which are gorgeous, but they tend to not be bright colors because those aren't natural pigments. Um, or the mineral, you know, if you, if you dye with using minerals, it's a whole different color palette than if you dye with using, you know, chemical ingredients. And so it becomes like, okay, how conscious do you want to be of your life? Mm-hmm. And I'm not perfect, right? I have some things that were probably not made that well, but that's okay because I'm trying to offset it with the things that I do do. And I don't expect perfection of myself. I have a hybrid electric gas car. There are days that I'm driving on gas. Oh, well, nobody's perfect. It's a question of like, can we all just move an inch in a different direction? Yeah. The phrase that keeps reverberating in my mind is um, the solution is in the problem. There was, a, there was a documentary we watched one time about this community in Costa Rica that's entirely self-sustaining and they have like their own school system and, and the way that they, um, they teach these kids, it's interactive, it's moving, movement with creativity. And some of these kids can speak up to seven languages at 12 years old, you know, because of the way that they have, they have done this community. And one of the things that they had to solve that they didn't know what to do with was the um, gas offput of their biological cleaning out of themselves. You know? <laughs> I really want to say that in a nice way, but they didn't know what to do with it. And so this part of it just stood out to me so much of the problem or the solution is in the problem. And it ended up being that the gas that it was offsetting the fumes or whatever, they could use it for fuel. So they contained it and then reused it to fuel other things in their own community. And I think it stood out to me so much because again, referencing back, like in a universe that functions perfectly without the interference of man, everything has a purpose that feeds something else. Yes. So everything that's occurring is two sides of the same stick. Problem and solution, they hand in hand. There is no problem that comes to be born on this earth that doesn't also have a solution born at the exact same time. So how do we look at it from that perspective? You know, instead of like, that's wrong, that's bad, that needs to go away. It's like, okay, if this is occurring and we know this is not a good thing, there has to be a solution that will completely turn it on on its head. I love that you're talking about this because, you know, I always say to people, if humanity died today, if we were, if we were just extinct, Mother Earth. Earth might take a while, but she'd come back. She doesn't need us. I always say, I say, Earth always wins. Nature always wins. No matter. And, she, and she's self-sustaining. Like nature has in it systems where I mean honestly if you think about the movie The Matrix and I taught a master class called Lessons from the Matrix. And it. I just watched the trilogy like a month ago. I hadn't seen it in a decade. There's a fourth one now. Do you know no, that? No, that's why we did it. That's why we did oh, okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah. So we watched the trilogy and then we watched the fourth one, which was kind of just a play on the first one. But 
it was a backwards inversion of it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. When I, when the fourth one came out, I did this masterclass three day masterclass called lessons from the matrix, which you can get in my dear human Launchpad, And it was all about like us in that movie. We're a virus. Humanity is a virus. We're the only thing that doesn't have a super predator to take us down, which means our responsibility goes up. But in a masculine energy paradigm where doing is the only reason for success, the feminine energy has leaned back so far that it's non-existent in society. That's why we say, I can't give money to charity until I'm retired. I can't have fun until I'm retired. I can't, we're going to delay it all because we're, we're in this belief system, but nature is completely proves us that the other is true all the time. And so how can we start to live in concert with this sort of more balanced version of humanity where we're not thinking of it as an afterthought? So I, I always joke and say, you know, if women or let's say feminine energy had been included in the invention of nuclear power, you better <laughs> believe that it never would have been invented without a way of cleaning it up. So what happens with nuclear power right now is it was created in a very masculine way in order to drop bombs during World War II. And as a result of it, the only way that they could figure out how to clean up the mess of nuclear power was to bury it in the earth, in these big tanks. So you better believe that if feminine energy was included in that, in the recycling of how we do these things, nuclear power would look different today. We wouldn't worry about massive explosions and radiation poisoning around power plants mm -hmm. because it would have been done differently. Mm -hmm. So I think what the world and the earth and the, the universe is telling us right now is that we need the yin and the yang in balance as opposed to out of balance, which is where we've been. Yeah. I mean, I think without intentionally creating it, it will be forced universally. I, I mean, I just think, I think that things always come into balance one way or the other. And I think that if we don't intentionally move with it, we're going to see it come in a more chaotic way. Yeah. And, and existential way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what, for me, like, I, I don't have kids, but I think seven generations ahead, which is a Native American tradition. Like if you live for the seventh generation, mm. who are you? So like, That's I only use seventh generation products to clean my house. Like, do you use toxic chemicals in your house? Because if they're toxic chemicals in your house, it means that making them was toxic. So if you look at companies like Seventh Generation that are really doing a good job of bringing forward non-chemical solutions to cleaning products, laundry detergent, like there's so many ways that we can just open our eyes and do things slightly differently. But you know what's really exciting? Tell if me. You think about these products and how there's so many more of them now than ever before. Why? Because people are demanding it. Because, because one person said, I have this idea, this bothers me and I want to find something to change it. One person. And I think we really lose sight of that yep. when, we're, when we're moving through life, that every single company 
in the world was started by one human, mm-hmm. one human, every single company. And then we see these innovative solutions that we've never seen before, simply because somebody identified contrast of, I don't like this. And there has to be a different way. And I'm going to use your word, dared to find it, dared to seek it, dared to go after it. And that's not to say that every single human is meant to go and start a company or whatever, but I, I always just, I love to bring it all back down here because we see these huge companies and we make it so big. Like it's this huge thing. And, oh, I could never do that because I'm just one human, but it's like one human starts everything. So you just did, you were just like the poster child for dare human. So now I'll ask you the dare human question. Oh, what one way can you dare human your life? What one way can you dare human your life? I mean, I can tell you the things that we do that are important to us and our standards and values. And that is eating whole foods that, that we typically try to get local or farmed. Um, always being aware of the impact that you make, meaning like how you affect someone else around you. That's, that's always a big conversation in our house around, you got to own how you feel and you got to own how you communicate it because so much of the, the wounding that's passed on is through not having the awareness of your own emotion, you know? So those are the big conversations that occur within our house. I have a favorite company that is a sustainable clothing. Um, you've probably seen it online, Reformation. Mm-hmm. They are very big on sustainability. In fact, you can send your clothes to them and they will recycle it um, in a way that that doesn't harm. And I was, that was a big seller for me. One of the programs we have in the Dear Human Launchpad is called Changemaker. And it highlights a lot of different ways of doing business. So Dear Human is a double bottom line business. We measure impact and income. Right. I, I challenge. I love every, that. Oh, I love that. I challenge every single person out there to start measuring a double or triple bottom line. So one of my students from when I taught at Harvard social entrepreneurship started thread up. I don't know if you've ever heard of this company, but they're completely revolutionizing the, the swap clothing market essentially. And he's one of the case studies that I used in that program, because when you start looking at a problem, fashion and feeling societally and because of Instagram that you need to have a new shirt on every day you do something so you don't never look the same oh I failed that (laughs) yeah me too and um but that's the thing right and so what happened in the fashion industry there used to be four seasons there's now 52 seasons because these fast fashion companies like Zara and H&M they're like changing out their stuff every single week And they're creating this hunger for stuffed closets. Mm. So James, who was my student, went and started, James Reinhardt went and started ThreadUp, revolutionized technology and how they bring in clothing and sort them and analyze them through AI to see if they're worthy of resale or donation. I mean, brilliant minds, right? And one person, brilliant idea. But you don't have to do something that big. Yeah. What's the one dare human thing you can do? How can you dare human your life? And it well, can be simple. It didn't start that big. You know, like nothing, nothing starts big. It, it is all like one idea and a whiteboard. You know, like it's it all starts small. Exactly. But 
I think that, you know, and universe, God, whatever it is, the, the bigger energy that, that you believe in, you make a move that comes in and amplifies and lines up what it is that that's supposed to come to be. You know, we, a lot of people have this idea of what we think it's going to be, and then we make the move and then it evolves and it changes and it revolutionizes. And then this person comes in and then that opportunity lines up and then these things. And you're like, wow, now I have this whole new idea, but I would have never gotten to that idea without making that first move. Exactly. And to add to that, it's like not every person is meant to be a James Reinhardt, right? Not every person is meant to be a Suzanne Goldstein or Marley Ansel. You know, everybody gets to be their own size of the impact. The only option that we can't go for is zero impact. We can't go for not doing anything. Mm. So the way we celebrate in the dare human world is one of my personal heart causes. I have two that are really big for me. One is racial justice. And the other one is feeding humans because without food, your brain doesn't work without, you just can't survive. So when I have a big month, I donate the equivalency of like, I had a $40,000 month. I bought 40,000 meals for people through Feeding America. I love that. I have a $20,000 month. I buy 20,000 meals through World Central Kitchen. Like I raise money for my birthday through No Kid Hungry. Like that's my outward cause. And I use that as my version of celebration. Now, do people care about me giving 40,000 meals to feeding? No, nobody gives a hoot and I don't care, but they're not seeing me celebrate with balloons, which means that my ability to actually grow in this business is very different than other people who are willing to celebrate with fancy this and fancy that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note, like there for me, it all comes back to honoring yourself, you know, balloons, whatever. I don't know. I I think people do do it for different reasons. And I think that there's a big stigma, especially in the coaching industry that you need to um, have a big picture that shows like I did this and I made this much money. And the thought behind it can be twofold. It can be like, I need to prove myself and I need to show that I'm validated and worthy and you should want to be in my world. And then it can also be very inspiring and activating and, oh my God, that's possible thing. And so I think it comes back to the intention behind it. And so if your intention is clean. If the intention was super clean, you wouldn't even need to share a picture of it. Who knows though? I mean, cause I, I do kind of go back and forth on that because it's so many, seeing my mentors make the amount of money that they're making, I wouldn't have known that was even possible. I, w- it w- I wouldn't have expanded my mind to even think about creating something that big had I not seen it, you know? And, and that's not to say I need to see a balloon, but like had, had they not spoken about it, had they not made it a, a known thing, you know? For sure. And so the question is, how do we do that in integrity? And listen, I, I, I am super excited when I get to celebrate my clients having a huge launch yeah. or a huge month or a huge year. That's part of our industry. It's, it's our version of billboards, right? Yeah. So we have to, it's part of how we do it. Um, and, and I don't denigrate anyone who makes different choices than me. Like I, I fully love and support all humans. Everybody's here for their own ascension. Everybody's here for their own 
wherever their soul's journey is on at this moment, why they chose to, to incarnate into this life mm-hmm. as a human. The only thing I'll say is you chose to come in as a human, not as a tomato and not as a ladder. So go be a human. Help the world rise. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about Untamed Fox, what it is. Um, Is that the name of the channel? We're going to put all the links to find you um, you. in the the show notes. My channel is called Follow Suzanne. Follow F-O-L-L-O-W-S-U-S-A-N-N-E. I'm there everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, Facebook, like I'm follow Suzanne everywhere. Um, the, the untamed, the rise, of the untamed Fox right now, I'm recording it live on Wednesdays at 12 Eastern on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. And if you want to come be part of it, you're welcome to be there with me. Um, so, and, and it's really conversations about what is going on in the world so part of it is educational. Like, by the way, do you know this is what's happening? There's a huge thing going on right now about Judge Clarence Thomas from the Supreme Court, whose wife, it turns out, was texting with some people in Trump's administration. And it's all like they have all the recordings of it, of her saying, you've got to work harder to overturn the election. And she is the wife of one of the Supreme Court justices. So people need to know this is going on. And I have a supercomputer for a brain, so I can take all this information in and start attaching all of the stories. My job is to educate people about what's going on in the now and then offer solutions for how they can be part of the change. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just being alive. <laughs> I mean, really, like it's because you hear you hear stories and you're like you like yours what you're doing and it opens you up it opens your eyes to see like oh there's there's just so much more available of what we can be doing and there's so so many times that we feel powerless we feel helpless we feel like it's so big and I don't know what to do so thank you for being that person that stands up and shows light on it well I really appreciate that I, I truly do because um this is definitely a road less traveled. Hundred percent, yes. And uh, it's nice to have friends along the way. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, thank you so much. I, really I love you. This is such a blast, and thank it's just blast catching up with you. Period. The first feature of powerful women in the industry, and what a conversation to be had. Oh, and it's one eleven right now. Of course, it is. <laughs> <laughs>